gospel. Hit me with the good news first, then with the bad news. Anybody? You got one, two, two. How many of you are bad news first, then the good news? Why is that? You want to end on a good note. So like, you're never going to talk to that person again? So you ended everything on the good note? I mean, you're still getting the bad news and the good news. It's very true. Some of us, uh, I am definitely a bad news, then the good news person. You know, I want to I want to get the bad news, and then I want to get cheered up. You know, I'm, I, I, like to, I like to be happy. I'm going to argue this morning. Now, this is not, you're not going to find this in Scripture anywhere. You're just getting a little bit of my theology. God is a bad news first person. I think if you read the Scriptures, I can back this up, okay? Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, bad news, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Good news. You got the bad news first, and then you get the good news. Romans uh, 3, 23 to 24. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. There's the bad news. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. That's the good news. You'll find, I think, in Scripture, a lot of times... You get the bad news first, and then you get the good news. Even we go all the way back to the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, it's the bad news. But then there's the prophetic word about Jesus. And so I think my little fun argument of this morning is God is a bad news first, then a good news person. So that backs it up. That's why I'm a good uh, bad news first, then good news. It's just like Jesus, okay? Uh, It's a holy thing. Uh, Those of you that were good news first people... You just, you just need to know Jesus more. That's what it's all about. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, there's absolutely no, no factual evidence there. I, I just think you, you see Scripture, you see a lot of bad news and then the good news. The Bible is full of good news. Uh, it's actually one of the terms that we refer to the Bible as. It's the good news. Uh, if you've never heard that, there's some good Christianese for you. Uh, the Bible is sometimes uh, referred to as the good news. Why? Uh, Every single one of us this morning said we weren't encouraged when there was bad news and good news. And yet the Bible is known as the good news. There's a lot of bad news in the Bible. If you've never read it, there's a lot of bad news, like the wages of sin is death. That's bad news. I mean, that's really bad news. There's a lot of other bad news statements in Scripture a lot of things that, that speak uh, of what will happen if we don't know Jesus. There's a lot of that bad news. But there's some really, really good news in there as well. And so I just think it's interesting. I don't think anybody that I've ever met feels encouraged when they hear, well, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. And yet the Bible is, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. And yet I think my argument would be, The good news in Scripture is so good, it so overshadows the bad news that it's actually really good. Has anybody ever hit you with that? Like, I've got some good news and i got some bad news. And like the bad news was completely irrelevant and the good news was amazing. And you're like, why? Why'd you present it that way? The good news was so good and the bad news doesn't even matter. Like, I don't care about that. But the good news was so good you forgot about the bad news. That's what we see in Scripture here. There's a lot of bad news in Scripture, and there's a lot of bad news in our world today. As you, uh, I don't know why anybody would would pay for news anymore in this culture, but uh, if you do and you watch news, it doesn't take you long to realize there's a lot of bad news on TV. There's a lot of things 
that speak negatively, that, that just depress you and make you sad and make you not want to watch TV ever again. There's a lot of bad news out there. Some of us have experienced bad news, specific bad news, each of us uh, in this last um, year, just take 2021, uh, from the loss of family, loss of friends, loss of a job. Bad news can come in many forms. Some of us have recently gotten some bad news that, that's going to affect livelihoods and things like that, and maybe that's what's uh, been consuming your minds and your thoughts. What is the bad news that has been consuming your thoughts, your uh, attitudes, your moods? Some of us, we grew up with bad news being spoken over us. That was my life growing up. I didn't get a lot of good news. I got a lot of bad news. And not just that life was bad, but I had bad news spoken over me and about what I wouldn't amount to or what I couldn't do in my life or a lot of those kind of things. Some of you have had that spoken over you or it's been kind of ingrained into your mind as a kid that uh, you came from such and such a family or you just, you're not very smart or you're not very talented or you can't do this or you can't do that. Or maybe your bad news came in the form of generational sins. Your family, oh, you're just like your father. You're, you know, that, that's just who we are. I don't know if you ever heard those statements about you and your family. Like, that's, that's just the type of people, you know, uh, the wards are just hotheads. You know, we just, we blow, you know, we blow up in a second. And it's pretty true about the wards, if you didn't know that. We have bad tempers. That's bad news. That's generational curses. I can go back as far as I can search, and my family have bad tempers, like really, really bad tempers. That's a generational sin. That's generational bad news. Some of you actually know some of your generational bad news, whether it be infidelity or anger or, or bad with money or you know, all the different things that can happen. Some of us have never gotten rid of that bad news. We just kind of accepted that it's there, and we've never done anything about it. We've never dealt with that bad news. It's just lingered in our lives, in our minds, and for many of us, it lingers in the form of lies that the enemy uses to create insecurities, like we discussed in our last series. This bad news, it, it speaks lies over us. The enemy uses that, and it'll speak lies over your life. And that's going to create insecurities, and then you don't serve God, or you don't live out the mission God's given you in the way that God's called you to because of this bad news. Because we live in a broken world, the reality is bad news is just a part of life. You're not going to get through this life without getting some bad news. It's going to happen. How do you handle bad news when it comes your way? I don't know if you want to kind of channel maybe a memory or, or something when you got some bad news. For some of you, you don't have to go back very far. You've gotten some pretty bad news recently. But how do you handle the bad news when it comes your way? Are you maybe a good news first person because hearing the bad news creates too much anxiety for you to appreciate the good news? I know that's a reality. Some of you are like, well, you know what? Don't tell me the bad news first because then I won't even be able to focus on the good news because we can get ourselves so worked up. Are you someone who tries to ignore the bad news for as long as you can before you have to deal with it? You know you should go to the doctor, or you know that you need to deal with this, or you know your finances are bad, or you know this stuff exists, and you just try to put it off as long as possible until you can't help but deal with it anymore. 
Are you someone who spirals downward into a destructive onslaught of what-ifs? Most of us call that anxiety. But maybe when you get bad news, you start to think, well, what if, what if, what if, what if? And then you create more bad news. You use a little bit of bad news to create a lot of potential bad news. I think we can all agree there are different levels of bad news, different seriousness of bad news. Hearing your waiter or waitress come back to the table and say, bad news, that's probably not as big a deal as being called into your boss's office and him starting with, I got some bad news. That's a little bit more serious. Or being at a doctor's appointment and your doctor starting a sentence with, I got some bad news. That's a lot more serious than, you know, they don't have any more prime rib at the Texas Roadhouse, which does happen. Some bad news definitely affects us a lot more and a lot stronger than other bad news. It's definitely worse. The first part of Romans chapter 6, verse 23 that we read earlier, that is the worst news that exists. There is literally no bad news that exists that is worse than that. Romans 6, 23 says, the first part says, For the wages of sin is death. Try me. You won't be able to come up with worse news than this. It doesn't exist. Because this is an eternal thing. This is bad news that affects eternity. Getting bad news about our health, getting bad news about a loved one, getting bad news about your meal at dinner time, none of that affects eternity. This does. This is bad news also that you can't do anything about. You don't have the power to change this bad news. Now your doctor comes back and says, bad news, you're, you're, you're pre-diabetic. Okay, well... There might be something you can do about that. You might be able to change that bad news into good news. You can't change this bad news into good news. We don't have the power to do that. Eternal death is worse than anything humanity can possibly face because everything else fades away. Losing a job, losing a loved one, all of that stuff will end one day. And then we'll enter eternity. And this news will be the only news that matters in that moment. But there is some good news that changes everything. The rest of that verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I get an amen? Because that's some really good news. You were just faced with the bad news you can't do anything about. It's going to affect your eternity. You were on your way to hell for eternity. And then God throws a but in there. Because that's who he is. He brings that good news around. God takes our bad news and turns it on its head. Most of us would say Romans 6.23 is an awesome verse. It's really good news, even though it's bad news first, then good news, even though it's, I got some bad news and I got some good news. We still would look at that and say, that is awesome news because we were on our way to hell and God created a way. That's why we're here this morning. I hope that's why you're here this morning. This good news is why people go to church and why we worship God, and why we change our lifestyles, why everything is different. Because God brought good news 
to our bad news. God rescues us from our own self-made destruction. That bad news is our doing. It's our fault. We can try to point back to Adam and Eve and, and people in the past and all of that, but each and every one of us is guilty of our own sin. The wages of sin, not Adam's sin, your sin. Not Eve's sin, your sin. The wages of your sin is death. Because of our own transgression against God, we're each destined for hell, and God brings good news to that bad news. If you read your Bible through, you'll see this is a regular pattern in Scripture. We create bad news. God speaks good news over the bad news. Read the book of Judges. (laughs) Over and over and over again, Israel creates bad news. God sends a prophet. God sends a judge that speaks good news over that bad news. And things get better. And then we create our own bad news. And it's just this endless cycle of judges. That's what this series is going to be all about. If you didn't realize, we're into a new series. It's called The Good News. The series is all about looking at the bad news in Scripture and how God changes everything. And we call it good news. We're going to be looking at a bunch of different accounts of the bad news in Scripture over the next couple weeks, and we're going to see how God speaks good news over that. Because, like we said, you're never going to make it through life. You probably won't make it through this week, or maybe even today, without getting some bad news, without being either told, hey, i got some bad news for you, or you're going to learn something or be told something that is bad news. We should always be looking for what is the good news. See, there's also uh, what I would argue uh, regional specific bad news. If you were to look at the town of Dubois and say, what is the bad news of Dubois? There's a lot of unique dysfunction to our town. Unique sins that people are, are drawn to. Maybe not unique to the rest of the world, but there are certain things that people struggle with in our town. There's certain bad news about Dubois, and God has spoken good news over it, and it's our job to take that good news. God has given us the privilege to take the good news to those stuck in bad news. First today, I want to take a look at just how bad the bad news is and just how good the good news is. Now, Today we're talking kind of that overarching bad news and good news. But I want you to think through, as we go through this series, as you interact with people at work, as you interact with family, as you interact with neighbors, uh, just to think, if you've never asked yourself this question, you probably haven't because we're wording it a little differently. But just to interact with somebody and say, what's the bad news that's affecting them? Because we each interpret bad news a different way. And to think, well, how is my neighbor responding? What's the bad news that's really got them? And how can I bring the good news into that situation? Most of us, uh, I I got saved a little later in life, and I had very specific bad news that messed me up. And it was when I heard good news that specifically spoke against my bad news that changed my life. It made me realize there's an answer 
to my bad news. There's, there's a good news to this. And it took somebody who had been living the same way I had, had grown up in a, in a dysfunctional family like I had, had felt the same way I had, and they'd experienced God. And God's good news changed them. And I realized, it can change me too. And that was an awesome realization for me. And God is calling you, and yes, I mean you, every single person here to take good news to somebody in bad news. That's our mission. So just how bad is the bad news? Do we understand as believers just how bad the bad news is that we find in verses like Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, and other verses? I would argue very few of us actually do. Very few of us actually realize how bad the bad news is. Because here's a reality check. If we knew somebody was going to die, and we had it within our power to prevent that person's death, and it would only require a slight inconvenience of us, almost every single person in here would do something about that. We would step in, we would allow ourselves to be mildly inconvenienced to rescue that person if it meant they weren't going to die. Even if we didn't know them, most of us would step in and do something. So the fact that we live next to, work next to, and have family who are going to suffer the bad news of Romans 6.23, and we do little to nothing about it in our life to stop that, tells me that we really don't understand just how bad the bad news is. Because if we did, it would compel us to action. See, for some of us, we found the good news and we just stopped caring. We said, well, I've got the good news. Bad news doesn't affect me anymore, and so it hasn't affected your life at all because you don't have to worry about suffering the bad news. And it just doesn't matter to you that everyone around you or many around you are going to suffer that bad news. It made me think this week as I was preparing this. I was, uh, one, one night I was riding my motorcycle, and I came around a corner And there is a little boy, like two years old or less, right in the middle of the road as I'm coming down this road on my motorcycle. And so I slam the brakes on. I turn my bike sideways just in case another car would come to make myself a little bit more visible. And I see down the road, uh, it's a little Amish boy, and he's dressed in like mostly black, like Amish are many times. And And this was right at dusk. So I was just happy I saw him in the first place. And he's just, you know, doing his little teeter-totter walk down the road, and I'm thinking, what in the world is going on here? And I see down the road what I can assume was uh, his dad and another guy or two about 100 yards down. They start running toward me because they can see now the, the kid in the middle of the road, and just before they get there, um, the mom runs out of the house that was over here, runs out, grabs the kid, and runs back in the house. And the, what I would assume was the dad thanks me, and I just move along my way. But here's a thought. It never dawned on me, and I'm not, I don't consider myself a, uh, I'm, you know I'm not an empathetic person if you don't know me. Uh, there's some facts about me that you might not know. I am not a very empathetic person. But it never dawned on me to just go, whew, and swerve around the kid and just keep going. Most of you probably wouldn't have done that. Most of you probably wouldn't be on a motorcycle. But uh, if you were in a car, 
You probably wouldn't just say, well, that's really dangerous, and just kind of swerve and, and try to miss the kid and just keep going along your way. It was an inconvenience for me to stop my motorcycle and to wait there. I had something to do. I was going somewhere. I wasn't on just a joyride. But it was worth it. Now, that was for a potential danger. No car came, thank God. No car came around that turn. And I didn't have to do anything to stop a car from hurting the kid or myself. But how many of you, if you saw a toddler wandering in the middle of the road, would just kind of go around them and, and just say, oh, I, I prayed for him. I prayed that you know, nothing bad would happen. And that was, that was the most I can do because I got stuff to do and I got places to be. We would respond, most of us, I would hope all of us, in a way that protects that little child because of a possible danger. Why would we not respond in kind to a 100% chance of eternal death for those who don't know Jesus Christ? And that's not a possible danger. It's an eternal 100% guarantee that those who do not know Jesus will spend eternity in hell. How much are we doing about that? Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 to 15 says, And I saw a great white throne, and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done, as re recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. This is real. This is reality. For all those workplace, neighbors, friends, family, who don't know Jesus, this is the end. This is what happens to all of us at the end of time. Not a potential danger, but a very real thing. So can we seriously sit here and tell ourselves, we understand just how bad that bad news is and continue to do little to nothing about it in our life? I don't know if it crosses your mind throughout the week. I hope it does. As you walk around, as you interact with people, as you see your neighbors out and about, maybe not so much once it gets cold, but as you interact with people who you don't know their spiritual condition, is it on your mind? Is it on your thought process that these people are going to hell? This, these people's eternal condition could be one that is eternal death. And many of us, now if we go by national statistics, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, they say that less than 10% of Christians ever lead another person to Jesus. We don't even try. We're not even a part of the process. Now I think the statistic is a little off because I think there's a lot that goes into somebody receiving Christ. Just being the person that has them pray the prayer doesn't mean you led somebody to Christ. There's probably 50 other people involved in that. But it, it, it requires us to be mindful, to, to have at the forefront of our minds just how bad the bad news is. 
Now, if, if you were to sit in front of your doctor today and they told you, if you don't start exercising, you will be dead in a month, how many of you will be at the gym tomorrow? If he says, all you got to do is walk on the treadmill for 10 minutes a day. Yeah, that bad news is going to motivate us to action. If you, do, if you wouldn't go to the gym, we need to pray for you. Because that's a pretty simple fix. That's as simple as it is with the good news of the gospel. God says there are people headed to certain death, and all we have to do is open our mouth. And we don't even have to have good theology. You literally only have to tell about what God has done in your life. That's it. You don't have to have all the answers to their questions. You don't have to get it all right. You don't have to be able to help someone understand the hypostatic union and how Jesus could be both God and man at the same time, 100% both. You don't need to know all that. What has God done for you? In Revelation, the same place we just read from, it says that many were led to Christ by the power of his blood and by, any of you know the verse? The word of their testimony. That's it. The blood's taken care of. You don't have to worry about that part. But each of you probably has a testimony. I certainly hope you do. I certainly hope you can talk a little bit about what Jesus has done for you because it's the greatest thing that's ever happened in your life. Trust me, if I go to the Texas Roadhouse, you'll hear about it because I will tell you about my meal and how much I love the meal and how much, or if I find a new restaurant, you're all going to know about it. I've taken half of you to Applewood already because I love it and it's a good barbecue spot. You've gone there with me. I like to take people to enjoy things I like to do. So why don't we open our mouth about Jesus more? It's literally a small inconvenience. We have the good news we know the answer to their greatest problem. And for many of us, it will not motivate us to action. So that's my argument. We can't possibly know just how bad the news is. If you're, flip the story around, if your spouse, if you were at the doctors with your spouse and you heard them say, you have this condition, all it requires is that you walk on a treadmill for 10 minutes a day, and you will live. If not, you'll be dead in a month. And you wake up the next day, and your spouse, you ask your spouse, so when are you going to the gym? And they say, I don't feel like it. What are you going to think about that? You will drag them to the gym and put them on a treadmill, probably, most of us. Why? Because you're looking at it and thinking, you have the answer. You, you know the answer to this bad news. It's, it's pretty simple. All you got to do is this very small thing. And I wonder how often God looks at us as we interact with our neighbors, as we interact with our coworkers, as we interact with our family, as we walk through the grocery store, as we sit at a restaurant. And God's thinking, you, you have the answer. You have the answer to their greatest problem. The, the waiter you're talking to, the person in the grocery store, your coworker, God's saying, you don't realize how hopeless they are. Do you not know how much they need this? And we say, oh, it'd be kind of awkward. I don't know, they might think I'm weird. Again, if you're that spouse, and they say, I don't really want to go to the gym. That's, I got to get in the car, and I got to change my clothes, and then I got to walk. You're thinking, but it's life or death. This is serious. And the answer is so simple, it's so easy. Why wouldn't you do that? And this good news is so much bigger than that. The bad news of the gospel should compel us to action. 
That's why you won't hear me say, well, you should do this or you should do that. It doesn't matter what you should or shouldn't do. This bad news should compel you to action. No one should have to tell us what we should do. If you're that spouse, you shouldn't have to tell your spouse that you, you should go to the gym and walk for 10 minutes. They should know. The bad news should be enough to get them there. So maybe this morning, if you find yourself here, again, my goal is never to preach in a way that would create shame. But maybe a good prayer is, God, help me to really understand the bad news. Help remind me of just how bad the bad news was. For some of you who got saved later in life, maybe a good prayer is, God, help me remember what I felt before I knew you. Remind me of that hopelessness. Remind me of that searching, of that emptiness I felt before I met you. That's why new believers are so compelled to action, because it's still fresh in their mind. And for some of us, we got the good news. And so whether or not we say it, we walk around and say, I don't care. I'm good. I'm going to live. Now, I would argue many of you probably, I wouldn't consider you a great spouse if you knew all your spouse had to do was walk on the treadmill for 10 minutes a day and you sat there and said, oh, that's their choice. They can do whatever they want. I'm not going to say anything one way or the other. I just want to respect their opinions and their beliefs. No, hopefully you get the frying pan, you'd hit them with it and get them to the gym, knock them out and they wake up on a treadmill. That's a good spouse. And don't do that, okay? That's not. But actually motivating them to action. Uh, you wouldn't care what their personal beliefs were. You wouldn't care if it affected them in a negative way. You'd be honest and open about it. And many of us can learn that about the gospel. Yeah, you might look weird. Your coworkers might think you're strange. Your neighbor might think you're one of those people. Isn't it worth it? We're talking eternity here. We're not talking a bad day. We're talking eternity. Ask God to help you see the hopelessness and the brokenness. Just as you drive home today, say, God, open my eyes as I drive home. Let me see the brokenness of Dubois. Let me see the hopelessness of the people who live here, who don't know you. Man, that should motivate us to do something. So what can we do about it? Well, we can introduce those who don't know Christ to the good news. It's a pretty simple answer. But what is the specific good news to their bad news? 1 Corinthians 15, 21-22 says, So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Amen. That is some good news. I don't think anybody that lives is is confused about whether or not they're going to die. I mean, I know some people are going to try to get frozen or something like that and become an ice cube for a couple hundred years. I don't know. But you're going to die. That's inevitable. What's different is we can know Jesus, and when we enter eternity, we enter into actual life. The Bible describes death as being swallowed by life. What an awesome picture. Because none of us will step into heaven and go, oh man, Steelers game was coming on tomorrow. Some of you don't care about the Steelers anyhow. I don't. Uh, 
We're not going to want to go back once we experience life. That's the good news. The bad news is Adam and Eve brought death to all humanity. They started this death cycle. The good news is Christ offers life to all humanity. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 14 says, If you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ, for He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Man, again, that's some good news. To know that we were guilty. Most of you are hopefully aware you were guilty. Whether you got saved at four years old or 40, you were guilty. There was sin on your account, and we cannot enter heaven with sin on our account. That's why we don't preach a good, a good behavior gospel. It's not about just do more good than bad. Talk to people in our community. They are convinced that's what it's about, that you just have to do more good than bad. You just have to have more in the positive on your account. Trust me, you talk, start talking to people, that's what they're going to believe. A lot of people think that. If I'm just a good person... If they believe in God and if they believe in heaven and hell, they think it's a transactional thing that as long as they're in the positive, they're good. Not realizing one sin counts us out. We cannot enter heaven with even one sin. We need to accept Jesus so that our account is clear. Then we can enter heaven only because of what Jesus has done. John three sixteen to 17, a verse most of us know. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. This is really good news. This good news alone should compel us to action. But I would argue it's only when we understand just how bad the bad news is we can really appreciate just how good the good news is. Because here, if you don't know, there's a, a movement that, uh, I mean, it started back as soon as the gospel started to be preached, but uh, became very prevalent in America in the last, like, 20, 30 years, this universalism. If you've never heard the term, it's this idea that everybody's going to heaven. That whether or not you like it, Jesus paid for your sins, and now everybody's going to heaven. Now when you read the Bible, it's like, there's really no bad news here. I guess I can just do whatever I want. I don't even have to go to church. I don't have to tell anybody about Jesus. I don't even have to be happy about Jesus. I don't have to do anything different. I can live however I want because everybody's going to heaven, and it's absolute garbage. It's not from the Bible. The Bible is very clear. For the wages of sin is death, and all who believe in him. There's, a, there's, there's something we need to do. We don't earn salvation, but we have to receive the gift. We have to accept it. This is what we get to do. We get to, we have the privilege to take this good news to those who are stuck in their bad news. And if you've never heard me tell my testimony, man, this, I was like 14, this guy was 18, and he was terrible at it. I don't remember a lot of what he said. I just remember, this guy doesn't know half of what he's even talking about. He like got confused and couldn't remember things and 
it, was, it wasn't a very good presentation, but it was exactly what I needed. I didn't need somebody that felt like they were smarter than me. I didn't need somebody that, that could expound perfect theology to me. I just needed to know what was real. And I could see in this kid's face, he, he wanted to be better at it. He wanted to tell me better who Jesus was, and he wanted to have a better prison. And that alone was enough to say this kid really believes what he is saying. This is authentic. His life was changed by this Jesus, and I want him. And it changed my life forever. You don't have to be very good at it. You don't have to have a Bible education. Jesus didn't say, okay, I'm going to send all of you out that have gone to seminary, and you're going to preach the gospel to the world. Jesus says a lot of this to fishermen who have less of an education uh, than a fifth grader in our today's society. They, most of them didn't know how to read. They could barely function. They, they had jobs like that because they didn't have to be around people, and they, they couldn't do a whole lot of other things. These, these disciples were not gifted men. God could have went to very gifted people. He could have grabbed a, a group of Pharisees or Sadducees and, and uh, led them to, to, to himself and used them, but it would have, wouldn't have been nearly as powerful for each and every one of us to know you don't have to be smart, you don't have to be good looking, you don't have to have all the answers, you don't have to be really, really wise and be able to answer everybody's questions in the moment. That's not what it's about. It's about you know the good news and they need it, and we've been sent. Have you ever been in a situation where you have really good news for somebody, and you just can't wait to tell them the good news? Like, you have really, I, I know I, I'm, I am terrible, Jackie will tell you, uh, as far as like gifts are concerned, like for her birthday or for anniversary or things. Very rarely do we make it to the actual event before she gets her gift because I like to give gifts, you know, immediately, as soon as I have them in my hands. And I generally wrap them in an Amazon box. Uh, but whether it's good news or a gift, like, I, I hold it back. I, I struggle to, to not give the, the, the news the, the, and see the smile on someone's face. Man, if only we were that way with the gospel. As we looked at our neighbors and our coworkers and, and people around us who don't know Jesus and just think, man, oh, I've got some good news for you. Man, I can't wait to tell you this good news. Because all the complaining that you're doing about your spouse and your kids and how horrible life is and, and this, that, and the other thing, man, I have good news for you. Why is it that all, so many people around us can be struggling with bad news? We're surrounded so often with people stuck in bad news. And we don't do much about it. We don't allow ourselves to be inconvenienced. Are we really able to just watch them go to hell and say, well, I prayed for them. I put them on a prayer chain at church. That should be enough, Lord. Or I invited them to church. They just haven't come. Hear what I'm saying now this morning. Church is not the good news. It's a purveyor of good news. You hopefully will find good news in a church. But church is not the good news to their bad news. As a matter of fact, for some of them, church is the bad news. 
They've been hurt by a church. They've been hurt by someone who went to church or called themselves a Christian. And so when all we do is invite them to church, that's not going to do a whole lot for them. Jesus didn't tell us, go out into all the world and invite them to church. That's not the Great Commission. Our responsibility as believers isn't to invite people to church or, or just to pray for them. If that's what Jesus wanted of us, that's what he would have said. Instead, he says in Mark, Mark 16, 15, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. This is the Great Commission. This is what every believer has been called to. You were assigned this task the moment you received Jesus as your Savior to go and take the good news to the whole world to everybody you interact with in some way, fashion, or form. doesn't mean that we stand on a street corner and tell everybody they're going to hell and they need to receive Jesus. But we need to preach the good news. Preaching requires a voice and action. You know, you have to actually say something to preach. This is what all of us have been called to do. Our vision statement as a church is to be a family where everyone can know, experience, and be empowered to ignite the love of Christ newsflash, that doesn't have to happen in church. That can actually happen at work. They can know, they can experience the love of Christ in your workplace, in your neighbor's yard, at the playground, in the grocery store. This vision isn't just for these walls. This is who we are in this building, outside of this building. Jesus could literally come back this week. And I, I want you just, I'm an imagination person. And God kind of hit me with this this week as I was, I was preparing it. I don't know if I'd call it a vision, but just for a moment picture, you've stepped into heaven. You've entered eternity. I don't know if you've ever tried to picture what heaven is like. Like just the, the overwhelming joy. No more pain. Whatever, however your back feels right now or your knee or whatever's hurting you right now, that's gone. Every worry is gone. Every concern is gone. And just picture yourself there, standing in heaven. And then ask yourself, how much of what I did this past week mattered now that I'm standing in eternity? How much of what I did affected eternity? So many of us live lives that don't, do much in eternity. We live our lives for today, for this world. And we'll all enter eternity someday and have to look back and say, okay, so how much did I do that affected eternity? This week, ask yourself, who's your person in the middle of the road that you keep swerving around and hoping for the best, praying for the best, hoping that somebody stops and saves them? Who is God calling you to inconvenience yourself for? See, our world, it just seems to get worse every day. I don't know if you realize this. I'm only, I can't remember how old I am, 37. It's gotten a lot worse since I was born. Some of you are a little older than that. You've seen the world get even worse than I have. And we can get discouraged by that or we can be encouraged because the worse the bad news gets, the more people want good news. The harder the good news hits, 
when they realize this isn't everything. The, the, the pit that you're, you're stuck in in life, that's not it. There's so much more. Who do you have access to tell the good news to today, this week, this month? Who is God going to put in the middle of the road for you and say, it's now or never. You have this opportunity. You can either open your mouth or you can just swerve around them and hope for the best. I don't know about you, but as I, as I pictured myself standing in heaven, as I thought about, okay, how much of what I did this past week matters now that I've stepped into eternity? Am I going to need that overtime? Am I going to tell Jesus all about me, you know, the, how hard of a worker I was or, or, or all these different things that I, that I did, all the things I built, all the things I accomplished? And I just imagine Jesus saying, okay, so who'd you tell the good news to? Whose bad news did you interject the good news into? Who did you take that good news to? Because that's your job. I left you with one job. Preach the good news to everyone. Who did you do that with? That changes the way I look at my week. As I go into this next week, I'm thinking, okay, how do I affect eternity this week? How do I interact with eternity this week? And I hope you will too. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you have called each and every one of us to this awesome work. I thank you, Lord, that it doesn't require that we have to be the smartest person or the, the most educated or have all the answers. You know, it doesn't even matter if we've read the Bible through entirely once. We know the good news. Many of us have experienced the good news. We know what it feels like to go from death to life. And if we're honest, Lord, some of us have just forgotten. We experienced the good news, and so we forgot just how bad the bad news was because we were rescued, because it no longer mattered to us how bad the bad news was. Lord, would you renew that heart in us? Would we be like a, a brand new believer with the urgency and the passion and be compelled into action? Lord, I, I, I remember a number of people watching them be a new believer and just the, the joy and the way they didn't care who heard them. They didn't care how embarrassed it was or how little they knew. They just wanted to tell people, Lord, would we, would we be a church that has that new believer spirit that just loves to tell people the good news? Because our town needs the good news. Lord, I pray this holiday season as we enter the, into Thanksgiving and Christmas, Lord, as people are generally more receptive, Lord, would we be uh, diligent, would we be intentional with the way we present the good news this season? And God, I trust you're going to change lives. Use us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a good week and preach the good news.